The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Oh yeah, it's our city. Bet your ass it's our city. It's Boston, baby. (laughs) This is David Yaz. This is the Boston Podcast. And whether you are on your way down the Cape for a barbecue or you're stuck in traffic on the expressway, it's cool, dude, because now you're listening to Boston's only independent daily Monday through Friday podcast that I know of. There might be more, but no one's corrected me on this yet. (laughs) And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Trudy, my guest today mm-hmm. is Trudy Good, who is, she's a PhD. This woman is like wicked smart. She's so wicked smart. Uh, clinical psychologist and the, she's over at Good Haven. You're, who are you? You're the president. You're the executive director. I'm what are you? the director of Good Havens, yes. The director of Good Havens, which mm-hmm. by the way, you find them at goodhavens.org. And welcome, Trudy. You're the coolest. Thank you. Good to be here. All right. So, um, We'll talk briefly about what you do because it's very interesting. It's very apropos. It's something people undoubtedly are thinking about these days. You, I know that your organization assesses risk for whom? Businesses? So Buildings? I, we do threat assessment, threat, assessment. For, threat assessment for employers. So people who have employees uh, – for higher ed institutions, so universities and colleges. Sure. And then we also do threat assessment for K through 12 schools. Okay. And you, you probably have all kinds of questions in your head, listeners, about what that means and what specifically she does. But we have a schedule to keep today, and we have a segment we call Good Stuff, where we're going to tell you what you should be listening to and watching and consuming these days. And on this particular edition of the Boston Podcast, we're going to get right to it right now. Let's do it. Oh, that's the good stuff. So Trudy has two recommendations. I think we have time for them both, Trudy, So because right. they're both cool. One of them I've seen and one of them I haven't. And the first one is a documentary that you've probably heard of by now, but you haven't necessarily seen it. And I think you can see this free on the National Geographic channel. Is oh, wow. Right? Can you? I think so. All right. I did. The, you can see the trailer for sure there, but yeah. maybe you can see the whole no, movie. No, I think you can see the whole thing. All right. Let's listen to a little bit of the trailer for Free Solo. Here it is. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years and every year I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. Cap is the most impressive wall on earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. I was going to get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? Never. Like, yes, for (laughs) sure. No, never, ever, in a million years. So you're a girlfriend now, I heard. It's awesome. (laughs) Pretty much makes life better in every way. 
It's really hard for me to grasp why he wants this. But if he doesn't do this stuff, he'd regret it. Everybody who has made free soloing a big part of their life is dead now. I haven't been injured in like seven <laughs> years. Mm -hmm. just, so yep. I'm going to cut it off there. But if you haven't heard about this, free soloing is climbing huge rocks, walls, mountains, what have you, with no equipment, except maybe a bag of chalk or something, right? And, and alone. And a, and a what? Alone. You have to climb alone. That's the Oh, you solo. have to climb alone. There's the solo part. Yeah. But even if you had somebody climbing with you, it's not like it's going to help you. So they're not <laughs> right, going to catch you exactly. on the way down. So, yeah, what were your impressions? So, well, first of all, the movie is awesome to watch because of the beautiful scenes. It's it is, visually, it's yes, stunning. Yes. Yeah, I wish I had seen it in IMAX because that would have been cool. Yes. If it ever comes around in IMAX, I may go see it again. Yes. Right. So visually, it's a very uh, stunning movie. It's it's also an incredible story about one man's journey th over or through an accomplishment, a goal that he set, and it's not straightforward. There, there are he's he actually wakes up one morning and plans to go climb, right? Starts climbing and then abandons the effort because it's not the day. He's very sure it's not the day. That's part of it. And then with that one, did he like? Get halfway up even or anything? You got or about a third of the way up. You got a third of the way up. There's a part, a third of the way up the climb is one of the most difficult parts of the climb. And he gets to that part of the climb and he's essentially not feeling it. He feels like he can't do what he needs to do. So he abandons ship at that point. Right. And like if you were to use a tired sports analogy, a starting pitcher in a baseball game and you get into the fourth inning, and you know you're not pitching that well. You're, you're still not losing or getting crushed, but you know you're not pitching well. And the manager says, do you want to stay in? And you feel like a tough guy, and you say, yeah, I do. Then you might lose the game. Right. If this guy keeps going <laughs> and he's not feeling it and he yes. slips because he's just off, right. he's dead. So yeah. probably a good call to quit, right? Yes. Well, and also that decision. I think he made that decision in August of the year that he, uh, the year before, and that was the end of the climbing season. And so he couldn't, he couldn't do it again right? because it had to do with timing, the sun, the angle of the sun, and all of that stuff. So he actually had to put off trying again until the next spring. Right. So, it's, so it, was, um, it wasn't just delaying a day or two days until I felt I was in the zone again. It was delaying it for six months, but this, maybe seven yeah. months. Seems like it was worth waiting for for him. And oh, so, yeah. spoiler alert, he makes it to the top at the mm -hmm. end. Right. But... One of the things I found interesting about the film is the tension among his friends and the filmmakers as to whether or not he's going to live. Right. It could have easily been a documentary about this guy falling to his own death. It still right. would have been a compelling movie, just much different, right? Right. right. How, did you th how did you think he was wired? Like, he's not... He's not what you'd call a normal guy. No, he's he's wired. I suspect he's as came into this world wired differently, and then I think he also had environment that encouraged the wiring in a particular way. So, like, like what I forget. So, um, well, first, in terms of sort of how he came wired into the world, I can't. I'm not a neuropsychologist, but they do. There's a. <laughs> You're a good person to ask about this. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a scene in the movie where they do. Uh, a PET scan on him, a fun, or a, f 
um, one of the scans. A brain, a brain scan. Brain they're scan. looking at his brain, right? Yes. And essentially the fear center in his brain works differently than your center or my center. We get scared at a certain point, a certain threshold, and his fear, he has to be much more fearful before stuff starts to light up. Right. Him. Which only makes sense. Right. So that completely makes sense in terms of that's what we might expect to see mm -hmm. in his brain. But it's, I mean, it's a significantly different. It's remarkably different. And then he, I, I don't know. I think it was very interesting. He grew up with an English-speaking mom and a French-speaking dad, but his French-speaking dad was probably on the autism spectrum. Yeah, see, I think this guy might have a touch of the spectrum himself. You can kind of see it in his eyes. Right. And as you know, I have a son with autism, so I'm constantly diagnosing people. <laughs> right. Um, right. And this is this is just the psychologist speculating, but his father was French-speaking and was sort of the primary parent that he communicated with, did stuff with as a young kid. Mm -hmm. and. And he was speaking lots of French. His father died, I think, when he was nine or ten. It might have been later. I can't remember. Right. But then when his father died, he essentially moves into the English-speaking world. I wonder if even just his ability to handle language and talk about his experience was affected by the relationship he had with his dad who was autistic or at least mm. not great at emotional information and then moving to English and his mom is typical she's not atypical and so his ability to experience emotion form relationship I, that's just I'm just completely off-roading it but I think no, there's no, that, some yeah, yeah. I think there's something to the fact that he first began experiencing his first human relationship with his dad in French that was probably not a typical relationship emotionally, I'm guessing. Yes, although the French aren't known for their fear fearlessness. No, so I don't think the fearlessness so much came in. I don't right. think that came, except his dad, I think, did do some risk-taking stuff, but not climbing. I think his dad was, mm -hmm. anyway. So Yeah, you know, the... the People, I'm not saying this guy has autism because mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think they mentioned that in the, in the film. But since you brought it up, uh, people with autism are definitely wired differently. And I was just trying to imagine like whether my son would be fearful of something like heights, and I believe he would. He does get scared at things like he has a visceral fear that normal kids would have. He doesn't like dogs. He's not mm -hmm. a dog guy, mm -hmm. and so it. It's not like a phobia, like an irrational, crazy fear, but it's mm -hmm. definitely a fear. Like if there's mm -hmm. a dog, he'll ask like uh, if, if, you know, someone's coming over, it's like, are they bringing the puppy? Because mm -hmm. he knows. And eventually we calm down. It's a nice puppy. It's fine. Um, but I will say this, like it's, I think it would be impossible for Adrian to be scared at a movie, like something, like something he sees on TV, hmm. like nothing like that ever upsets him. Um, it just, it's almost like he has this sort of static view of it he doesn't imagine himself being stabbed by freddy krueger he mm -hmm. just he, he'll just kind of look at it like oh, okay yeah mm -hmm. fine so i wonder if there's well some of that thread you know you can you can see his quote touch of autism or his right. some of his traits of autism in how he in how he relates to his girlfriend but then it it affects how their relationship functions because their relationship, it, it, he, I mean, he's doing this endeavor where he may die 
in right. a very, very explicit way. And she has to accept that, but he doesn't. He can't completely click into what it means for her. He can't get her emotional load that right. comes they, from... She talks about how they work on it. They take right. little steps. Yeah. Right. But because of his atypical presentation in relationships, when he's engaged in this um, life life risky endeavor, he doesn't get how him doing that has an impact on her. Right. It, it and so it's a very so their relationship functions differently because she has to that's, radically that's called, accept. That's called empathy, right? Or is that yes. called sympathy? I think it's no. Empathy. It's it, Empathy. So, so he has I a lack say. of empathy. So he has a touch of serial killer in him. Is well, what we're no. <laughs> All right, let's not jump to conclusions. I, would, I wouldn't say that, right. but he's, I mean. But if he were a serial killer, you wouldn't be surprised. No, I'm just no, kidding. No, I I'm wouldn't, being be, silly. That w- I wouldn't yep. say that either. Okay. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> so. I can't get her to admit to anything. No, I, hey. You PhDs. <laughs> so, uh, but listen, great movie. If you haven't seen it, yes. still go back and see it. Pretty sure it's still available on National Geographic Channel or just... Uh, by the way, here's a tip. Here's a good thing. If you're looking for... If, you're, if you've heard about a movie or a TV show and you're like, I just don't know where to watch it. I'm so confused these days. Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, regular TV, BBC, whatever. Go to justwatch.com. I, they're not a sponsor of the show, unfortunately. But go to justwatch.com and just punch in the name of the thing and you'll find it. Okay, so I have a good stuff. Um... And it's about penguins. And Adrian and I just went to see Disney. Uh, when everyone else is going to see the Avengers and enjoy it, people. I'll see you in three and a half hours or wherever the hell it is. Uh, I will go see that eventually. But we saw Disney. It's called Disney Nature's Penguin. He discovers that being a father is more than he bargained for. Next Earth Day. Disney Nature invites you to join an extraordinary couple fighting to raise a family in one of the most unforgiving and stunning places on Earth. Disney Nature's Penguins, Earth Day 2019. Well, doesn't that look cool? Mm-hmm. So that was, oh, sorry, folks. Stop, Disney. Stop. Um, so just saw the movie the other day and, um, what listeners you didn't see was footage of penguins doing all kinds of cool stuff and diving into the Arctic water en masse and making little forts out of rocks or whatever they do. Nests, actually, they Mm -hmm. make out of rocks. So this may sound familiar because there was a movie sometime back called March of the Penguins, which yes. which was narrated by Morgan Freeman. You know that the second is coming out. The second March of the Penguins. I yes. did hear that. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's just penguins everywhere. Mm-hmm. But this was... So if you saw March of the Penguins and you like it, go see this movie as well. It's, it's more of a lighthearted take. How is it different? It's not terribly different, I'll be honest with you. Because it follows actual adventures of actual penguins, and it follows one penguin who I think they call Steve, although I'm suspicious that it was the same penguin the whole time, (laughs) because all those penguins look alike, and I'm not being a penguinist, or whatever the term would be. Uh, 
So, <laughs> but so they, it sounds like is, they anthropomorphize them a little bit more than March of the Penguins did, right? Well, I don't know what that. I mean, I making think them I know more what, human. So they, they, so Ed Helms narrates this. Now you might remember Ed Helms best as Andy Bernard on The Office and lots mm-hmm. of other comedy movies and The Hangover. He was in that movie, and so he's funny, and so it's definitely lighthearted. It's definitely like some funny stuff. Like you'll see the penguin walking along, and you'll hear Ed Helms' voice saying. Gee, I hope there isn't any killer whales around here. And oh my God, what's that? And so then you'll see him recoil. And so that makes it fun. Right. Um, but there's still a lot of serious stuff, so-called more serious to the penguin anyway. Like, you know, the the same stuff you saw in, in March of the Penguins, like penguins stealing others' eggs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the predators, the predator, the bad guys come in and they have to fend off these like birds and and at one point, Steve wanders into like a pile of sea otters or something. And anyway, it's it's a real good take. If you have kids, they're going to love it mm-hmm. and you'll love Sounds it like as it. well. So should we do the last one, Trudy? Let's do the last one. Sure. So we're going to listen to the trailer for so Orphan Black. What just happened at the train station? What? I saw a girl kill herself. Ew. Yeah, and she looked exactly like me. I've got to go up to a flat. She's got $75,000 in a savings account. I have an idea. Sarah, any second, someone's going to ID the body and it's game over. You're damn right. You're damn right. Beth, what's happened? A lot. Know who you're talking to how many of us are there wow all right orphan black now was that has there been i've never seen it has mm-hmm. there been more than one season you were telling me it's over it's now. multiple seasons it is multiple seasons um, three seasons maybe it's at least three seasons okay and the premise is that there are a gr- group of clones who don't know that the other clones exist. And the opening episode is encountering one clone who, I mean, she doesn't know she's a clone. She's a person. She's a she's sort of a fringe, disenfranchised, uh, drug-using young woman right. who's on a train platform and watches another woman step out in front of the train and kill herself. Right. And... The woman who killed herself looks exactly like exactly her. Exactly like her. So she gets freaked out. Right. Gets freaked out, but then sees this as she's opportunistic, that first mm-hmm. clone is, and she sees it as an opportunity to essentially take on another life. And so she then begins to act like the woman who just killed herself and essentially impersonates her. So that's the start, but then you keep she keeps encountering clones, other people that look like her, and it's the her mission to figure out what's going on. And of course the actress plays all of these clones, right? Yes, which and is so, it's in, that's the incredible part is it's one actress who plays all these different people and characters that are so different from each other. Her physicality is incredible. How she moves differently for each oh. of the clones is is incredible. And her hair of course is done differently. She dresses different, but it, it it's 
it's, you know, you know somebody's a different person by how they move, and she moves differently for all these different characters. Yeah, that that's an underrated component of acting. The guy who played uh, the bad guy in the movie Switch, and I'm going to, mm-hmm. I forget his name. Let's ask Alexa. Alexa, who is the star of the movie Switch? Wait, was that the name of that movie? Switch stars include Ellen Barkin. No, wrong movie. No, not that one. Alexa, stop. It was a movie where the guy had multiple personalities. It was, uh, 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 darn it. I can't think which movie you're thinking about. Um, it'll come to me. He recently hosted Saturday Night Live. I tend not to watch all those different movies because they just tend to misrepresent the phenomena. Well, there's, so. well, there's your problem right there, but you're right. <laughs> right. They do, they do, um, they do get it wrong. Uh, now it's going to kill me. I have to look it up. He's an Irish actor. Come on, people. Uh, hmm, movie, multiple personality. Alexa, you're of no help. Thanks Thanks for nothing. <laughs> it was called Split. That's right. Split. Alexa, who's the star of Split? I was so close. Hmm, I don't know that one. Oh, my God. She's useless. <laughs> Alexa, she's you're really completely falling useless. down on the job. Yeah. This guy uh starred oh it's an m night m night Shyamalan movie mm. and it starred james mcavoy that's the guy's name and uh, he's yes. and he's irish and he recently hosted saturday night live he was very good and uh and why did i bring that up oh right because because he, he, he so, so he, he in, plays multiple right people. including mm-hmm. like um you know a young girl and everything and it's not just the voice it's the mannerisms mm-hmm. and i always thought steve martin deserved an actor for all of me when he was mm-hmm. pretending that lily tomlin was possessing his body right. because she he moved his hands like lily right. tomlin did exactly yep. all right so so can orphan i just black. Go one ahead. more disclaimer yes. about orphan black it is pretty dark and i actually watched the first episode two or three times before i could essentially muster the fortitude to move forward it's scary but it's just dark like violence yes violence and you know she's you know she's drug using she has a very dark life and then you see her so quickly say i'm gonna take over this person's life and Mm. just that sort of darkness for me it was bothersome so i had to watch it a couple of times and then i could sort of keep going but there were moments even in the series when i'm like okay too dark. Move on. Have you seen the show Killing Eve, which is another BBC show? You so have. So we just started it. Good, right? But yeah. also dark. Yes. And also. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't go so far as to say disturbing, but it's it's suspenseful, yep. like edge of your seat kind of stuff. Right. I love that show. I am. Uh, I wish it. I could binge the whole thing because well, you can binge season one if you haven't seen season one of Killing right. Eve, and Sandra O oh won all kinds of awards for right. it. And now it's in the middle of season two, and they're releasing them. Can you imagine only one per week? One show per week. <laughs> I want them all. I want them all right now. I'll go home and watch all of them. That's what we do. We binge. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little more about Trudy and Good Havens because I want to make sure everybody knows the cool stuff that she does at her organization. Before we do that, let me just take a minute to tell you about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? We can produce one for you, whether you are a lawyer financial advisor, a business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally. You're literally in their head. And that, my friends, is the correct use of the word literally. 
Get it right, people. I want my word back. <laughs> Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. That's what you do. You get your own podcast. We can produce it for you here in our Westwood studios. You invite your clients and prospective clients to be on the show, and you just knock their socks off. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit Pod617.com in Pod We Trust. How did I do, Trudy? Great. That's what's known in the industry as a live read. <clears throat> Very exciting, which means I don't have to drop in ads after I edit this podcast. Although I'll probably edit the part out where I stammered earlier. And listeners, you don't know what I'm talking about because I already edited it out. <laughs> See what I did there? So goodhavens.org, assessing risk, mitigating risk of violence in places. You've described this before, but give us some more color, please. Like, give us the, give, Tell us sort of what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you help businesses, organizations, and and all that kind of stuff. So Good Havens is about helping, Good Havens is about keeping bad things from happening, preventing bad things from happening. And we we look at it in three different ways. One is by doing private case management for Mm -hmm. people who have serious mental illness and helping them them manage all their different care needs, which can be quite complicated. Um, And the bad things that can be prevented is by keeping them well, keeping people doing what they want to be doing and um, making sure that they're not moving towards risky behavior that will get them in trouble, make them more sick. So it sounds like there you're working with families. Mostly with families. Right. Uh, Mostly adults and older teens and their families or guardians. Yes. And so that's one sort of, that's one service. A second service is threat assessment. And again, this is about how we help, how we keep bad things from happening. Mm -hmm. And so I work with employers, higher ed institutions, and even um, K through 12 schools to help them when they have an employee or a student that they're concerned about is moving towards violence or maybe on a pathway to violence. Okay. And so what what do you do when you have an employee that you're worried about? Um, hint, firing them is not usually the best way to prevent violence. Right, because they'll come back. Right. Right. Um, and in fact, once you've terminated somebody, you no longer have any information on them. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have any contact with them, you don't have reason to have contact with them, and so then you've lost all the information that you were using that let you know whether things were getting bad, getting worse, or getting better. Now, okay, the if you don't mind me jumping yeah. in, mm-hmm. the the rebuttal, not rebuttal, what, what what's the word I'm looking for? The devil's advocate position might say... Say you're a school and you've got a janitor and everybody kind of, he's got a reputation for having a temper and one day he grabs a wrench and kind of throws it across the room Mm -hmm. as he's screaming at the kid. So Mm -hmm. say he doesn't throw it at the kid, but he throws it. And so everyone says, well, Jesus, we got to get rid of him now. I mean, the next time that wrench might be in a kid's forehead and we got to do it immediately. Like that, it would seem like some urgency would, the, the, I know what you're saying in terms of preventing him from acting erratically and returning to the school. Mm-hmm. But what if they're concerned about it happening like, you know, the next day while he's on the job when he's just going to walk in, punch in? Mm-hmm. But see, the thing is how you prevent bad things from happening is not necessarily getting rid of him. What if you got rid of the wrenches? 
instead. Oh. That's a, that's a very do. simplistic answer to that well, situation. Well, mine was a very simplistic example, so but, you're entitled. <laughs> but it's about what is it that puts that janitor in a place that he feels so frustrated, angry, whatever set of emotions you want to put there, that he has to resort to violence. And the question is, how did he get there? He doesn't just get there. He doesn't just appear. People don't just snap. If you hear people snap, that's not accurate of how people arrive at using violence as a way to get what they want. So, In other words, there's a path that leads up to it? Is right, that what you're saying? There's okay. a path. And so part of the job of that school district or that school and the principal is to figure out what's going on for this janitor that he's frustrated. Is it stuff in his work that's frustrating him? Like teachers don't, um, teachers do things that he, that make his work harder or kids do things that make his work harder. And so there might be things about the environment, but there might be other things going on. Like he might be struggling with issues at home. And so he has very little patience and he's not a great He's not gen. He's sort of a grumpy, grouchy guy anyway. But now things are more stressful outside of work, and so then his fuse at school is even shorter. Yeah. So the question is, how do we prevent his fuse from lighting? Not how do we remove him from the fuse? But that comes out of a commitment that people, individuals, have valuable, meaningful places in our society. That he's a um, valuable person in that school and in that community. And to remove him might probably does eliminate a lot of the risk of somebody being hurt, but it also means he no longer has his job, mm -hmm. which could put him at more risk for hurting other people. Right, including the school, he could come back. Right. I mean, you he could, could you, come back. You could so argue that. So that's why that, I yeah. say, hint: it's not usually good to terminate people if you're concerned about violence and then moving on the pathway to violence. Mm -hmm. So, the question is: how do we mitigate the risk? How do we change the path? How do we change the direction? Not how do we get rid of the person? Well, it occurs to me that this is, you know, this era of violence in workplaces and schools and mm -hmm. stuff is uh an well for lack of a better word an opera really an opportune time for, for you in other words mm -hmm. i think you're needed now more than ever mm -hmm. because we're constantly questioning i'm going to ask you the question why is it this way now and it wasn't necessarily this way before and i'm talking about uh shootings i'm talking about workplace violence i'm talking no it, it always occurred in some fashion in the past but mm -hmm. it seems like we're numb to it now mm -hmm. and I wonder if there's some, you're you're a PhD. You're a good person to to ask. Is it do do the the traits and values is the wrong word, but the the personality traits of a society change over time, such that thirty years ago our personalities as a country were di were different, and our personalities now, for some reason, allow a fringe section of our society just to to fly off the rails. I think there's something to that, yes. I don't think it's the complete explanation. Part of the explanation is media and our, the media, because media exists and because I can know about every shooting that happens anywhere in the U.S. within minutes or hours of it happening, yeah. 
I am much more aware these things are happening than 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Where in the beginning of our country, I am sure there were lots more deaths by gunfire mm-hmm. than maybe in in some parts of our country today. But we didn't know about it right. because it was the Pony Express yep. and <laughs> mm-hmm. that's how we got news around. And so you didn't know about it. So some of it is the media has made it much it's much easier to be aware of those. Mm-hmm. But a, another part that I think is going back to the the cultural issues is that I we are we seem to be in an age where a fairly acceptable way to express that I'm not happy is to yell and mm-hmm. to call names and to be mean to other people. You're talking about online and on Twitter or everywhere? Everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. E- I would argue it's even more socially acceptable to yell at your cashier at the grocery store than it used to be. <laughs> well, they had a, they have it coming, Trudy. Mm-hmm. If, no, if that's no, they which don't. Many of them, <laughs> many of them and do so, not. So I think we're in, a, in an era where the way for the people think an acceptable way to to express my frustration and anger is to be mean, aggressive, and then violent. And if you sort of see that as being, if that's acceptable, then you're just that many more steps closer to what is unacceptable, which is to aggress or to use physical violence against people. But that, but the distance is much shorter than it used right. to be. Yeah. I would add, I would agree, and I would add that technology, uh, social media, Twitter, the whole mm-hmm. deal has um, actually a lot to do with this, and, and for a couple reasons. One, it, it invites the extremes for some reason. It invites us against them. If someone fires at you, you, you fire back. They bring mm-hmm. a knife to the fight. You fire back with a gun, right. a symbolic one, of course. And as a result, we've lost our ability for nuance, I feel yes. like. Um, I was arguing with someone the other day about Louis C.K., who was you know, one of the entertainers um, named in this Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. He did some things he shouldn't have done that some women reported. But he didn't force himself upon, and it's going to sound like I'm making excuses for Louis C.K., but my only point is that his sins, if you read the actual facts, seem a lot more mild than like uh, a Harvey Weinstein who mm-hmm. had a whole system in place to insist upon sexual favors for actresses in exchange for potential roles. He completely forced himself on one woman, et cetera, et cetera. And yet um, a lot of people think, well, nothing, n- no behavior like that is acceptable, so we have to put them in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just say, let's be reasonable here people mm-hmm. there's a there's someplace reasonable in the middle where we can punish people for their mistakes but not label them as out forever and mm-hmm. and, and I don't know I, nobody's crying for Louis CK I'm sure he's fine but he doesn't really have a career right now he's slowly trying to put it back together and mm-hmm. the hammer came down anyway so and and that's just one example mm-hmm. you know right. um so do we is there hope for us well you don't have to answer that you were going to say something else go ahead no yep. potentially one of the potentially there's hope, but part of hope is understanding that bad things do happen. Bad things are going to happen. They've always happened. They've always happened. They will continue to happen. So part of our job, we have a two-part job. One is 
to prevent bad things from happening, doing what we can to prevent people making a choice that hurts other people. Which is but, where you come in, yeah. Right. But then the other part is when a bad thing does happen, we have to figure out what's the best response so that our response doesn't make things worse. Right. And people – so bad things happen and we have to figure out how to live together. Yeah. And that's where – we better. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and it's and it's hard. And one of the reasons that I came to the work in threat assessment and risk and violence assessment is because I worked with men who had committed sexual offenses against people. Mm-hmm. And I worked with them after they had spent their time in jail or in prison. And when you've done that and you come out because of how we see the bad things that those people had done, mostly men, they can't find housing, they can't find jobs, they are shunned, and it's very hard to find a meaningful role, a meaningful place in society. And so that second part, we still have to figure out how to live together because people do bad things. Now, some people do things that harm people physically, emotionally much more than others. So we have to recognize that and we don't act like that didn't happen. But that person's still around. That right. person's going to be coming back after their prison term. and We got to deal with that. We have to deal with that. Yep. So we have to create a world where people can live, where we can reduce the risk that that, that guy who committed the sexual offense, reduce the risk he's going to do it again. But guess what? Denying him housing, making it really hard for him to find a job, um, ostracizing him doesn't reduce the risk that he's going to do it again. It probably makes things worse. And so how do we keep bad things from happening? Part of it is preventing it. And when bad things happen, figuring out what response is going to be most helpful so that another bad thing doesn't happen. Well, time does not permit us to learn everything we can learn from Trudy, unfortunately. But you can go to goodhavens.org and check out everything that she does, the services she offers. You should just have a conversation with Trudy. Go to the website. Do you want to give out your email address? Um, yes, yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh, sure. You can email me at trudygood at goodhavens. That's S, a good plural, goodhavens. Goodhavens. Yes. Right, not just one goodhaven. Dot O-R-G. There you go. And it's Trudy Good, just plain old Trudy, plain old good. No (laughs) extra letters. Yep. Don't put a vowel at the end of that good. It's just good. Yep. It's It's good. It's just good. It's just good, which is absolutely good enough. And you were not just a good guest. You were a great guest. Oh, well, thank you. Did you enjoy it was, yourself? It, it was great to be here. Yeah, All it right. was fun. Thank you, David. Excellent. I'll have to have you back on because I feel like we just scratched the surface of all the this, this stuff you can tell us about. <laughs> and maybe yes. together we'll figure out a way for this society to actually exist together. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure we'll pull that off, but you never know. Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like it. Please share it with a friend or a colleague. That's the way we spread the good gospel here at the Boston Podcast. And by the way, if you'd like your own podcast, please visit pod617.com. I talked about that earlier in the program, so I won't bore you you further. Maybe I will bore you for a little bit longer. It's a podcast. I can talk for as long as I like. (sighs) Anyway, people, enjoy your day. I'm on behalf of Trudy Good. This is David Yaz. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. (laughs) 